Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. One of the toughest objections to overcome from non-believers is, if God exists, why do all the terrible things happen in the world? I think that in order to handle this objection, we need to first understand their logic. Their logic goes something like this. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. God is omnibenevolent, all-loving. God is omniscient all-knowing. So if God is all these things, then it's not logical for people to suffer things like earthquakes, floods, war, and even death. Although this is probably correct as far as a logical argument goes, God does not exist by man's logic. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Isaiah 55 and 8. In fact, God has always existed. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And man exists by God's decision. If we look at Genesis chapter 1, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Life, in essence, is nothing more than the conflict of good and evil, God and Satan. The first thing we need the unbeliever to realize is that all good things are of God. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to James chapter 1. Verses 13 through 17. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good thing, the air we breathe, the rain, the sun, the food we eat, our clothing, everything is from God. He is our sole provider of things we need to live life. We also see in verse 15 that death is brought on by sin, which is the second thing we need these people to realize. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Notice Paul says that death is a direct result of sin. So then one may ask, well how did sin enter the world? Well, let us turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, 
Just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law of sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Paul tells us that sin entered the world through one man, and that it existed even before the law that defined sin existed. And then we see in Genesis, God created Adam to tend to the Garden of Eden, and he was free to do whatever he wanted with one exception. He was not to eat the forbidden fruit, for this would bring forth death. Think of this. Adam knew nothing of evil, he knew only good. Man's unquenchable curiosity made him want to know more. Thus he now knew evil, and with that came death. An argument might be made that if God is all-knowing, why did he allow Adam to do this? This brings us to the third point the unbeliever needs to understand. God gives man free will. In other words, we have the freedom of choice. We can choose good, God, or we can choose evil, Satan. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Exodus chapter 32 verse 26. And if you turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting with verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants." We see here that God didn't promise Israelites much more than that they would have a choice. They could choose life or death. They could choose prosperity or adversity. The choice was theirs. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. We see from these passages that mankind has the freedom to choose. 
It is this freedom of choice that ultimately brings death to the world. That being the choice of evil. So why do bad things happen to good people? Perhaps bad things are just tests of our faith. Why we need these tests? Well, first of all, it allows God to see our progress. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. James chapter 1, verse 12. These tests are our benchmarks to the prize of the crown of life. These tests also strengthen our faith. It's the same principle as exercising. We work out to build our strength and our stamina. Therefore, we have greater confidence in our physical abilities. The same is true of our faith. When it is worked, it grows stronger, and thus we become more confident. Let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2-4. through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Also, if we look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep, when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. We see that David had the confidence brought on by his prior experiences. It was this prior testing of faith that gave him the confidence to go, fight, and defeat Goliath. Oftentimes, obstacles in life refine our faith. Turn your Bibles with me to Zechariah chapter 13, verses 7 through 9. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man my associate, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd that the sheep may be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. It will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left in it. And I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. Consider the pressure of the earth. Pressures of the earth cause carbon to become coal, 
a useful resource for us. A little more pressure makes that same carbon into diamonds, a prized jewel. Yes, pressure does make diamonds, and it can make life a diamond too. Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verses 5 through 15. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. Without enough faith to get through hard times, we will perish. Perhaps struggles and tribulations could be part of a divine plan. Often blessings are a result of tribulations. We have often heard the saying, a blessing in disguise. Consider, if you will, the story of Joseph. He was a just person who was thrown in a well, sold as a slave to the Egyptians, almost killed by his master, made a trusted official of Egypt, and was able to save his family from the famine. Looking back, all the pieces fit tightly together throughout his life. Definitely it was a great divine plan. Consider Judas betraying Jesus, which led to Jesus being tried, and then crucified, which led to Jesus overcoming death, which led to our salvation. Once again, a master plan, and once again, blessings as a result of tribulation. How can we, knowing what Jesus went through, expect to not have the same? The Hebrew writer writes in chapter 13, verse 12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. We can't. We should expect it. When Ananias questioned God about Saul, God replied, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Acts chapter 9 verse 16. Here was one of the most committed men to Jesus, 
and he suffered so great. How can we expect not to have tribulation? We can't. Tribulation is important to God's children in that when we overcome tribulations, it is then we receive blessings. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. James chapter 1 verse 12. Revelations 2 verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Going down to verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. We can see that to try and fit the existence of God to man's logic is a mistake, for God does not abide by our logic. The terrible things that happen in this world are not of God, but rather from man making the wrong choice. Free will is in itself a gift of God a gift that many are not ready to enjoy. We can also see that when bad things happen in our lives, we should remember that we should expect it. It is either part of a divine plan or a test, and we gain greater faith, confidence, and blessings from overcoming it. To the non-believers and to those who maybe feel their faith is weak, I would ask a question. Will the pressures of life make you a lump of coal, destined to be burned in an eternal fire, or a shimmering diamond worthy to be part of the crown of life, showing its beauty forever? Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about. Thank you.